What's up, everybody, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. I'm Landon Pangburn, along with my brother and co-host, Preston Pangburn. We're just a couple of guys being dudes talking about sports. Today, we're going to touch on some news around the sports world, the opening of NFL training camps, the complete comedy show that is the NBA bubble, what's going to happen with college football, and then we're going to dive deep into a full-on preview of the upcoming Major League Baseball season. Episode one coming at you right now. happening we're finally on air first ever episode of the shoot your shot sports podcast so we are just a couple brothers who love to talk about sports and a few months ago we decided what better time to start a sports podcast than in the middle of the biggest sports drought in history and here we are today because we actually have some news to talk about this week live american team sports starting this thursday night with opening night of the major league baseball season we got kind of a funky format going on we got covid tests positive we got players opting out but either way i'm excited for sports to be back how you feeling i'm excited sports are back we are back we are nothing back. nothing will make me feel more alive than sitting on the couch with a beer early August, having my wife ask me if we really have to watch the fourth inning of the Braves game. <laughs> yeah, early on in the MLB season, even when it's 60 games, I can still understand how uh, that could be a struggle. We're going to circle back around to baseball later and take a pretty deep dive into a preview of the MLB season. We're going to give our World Series picks, talk about some futures bets, um, pick our award winners for the season, as well as some teams and players we're excited to watch. But we'll get to that later. Right now, let's hit on other news. Let's start with the NBA bubble and just all the complete ridiculousness coming from there. What have you been seeing lately? I've been seeing a lot. Uh, I feel like the, the food is has been an absolute struggle for these guys. <laughs> um, I feel like it's kind of probably a slow descent into madness for some of these dudes. You know, they're, they're used to, they're at home, they've got private chefs cooking them meals. When they're on the road, they're going to, you know, hundred plus dollar steakhouses. Um, this is, you know, complete culture shock for these dudes who are used to living these multi-million dollar lives. Um, but it, it's been kind of fun to watch. There's been some some interesting stuff coming out of the bubble. Um, you know, the Mavs were out on their uh, patios of their rooms doing whatever dances they were doing. Uh, there were those videos of the Lakers, um, Kyle Kuzma and JaVale McGee, two seven-footers going down the big water slides. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Like, there's this element of, uh, you know, it's like kids going off to camp, but there's also this element of these guys, like, you know, they can't go to the strip clubs and the bars at night yep. and they're probably just kind of losing it. Did you see the videos of Taco Fall and Ennis Cantor playing beach volleyball? I did like, not. Good luck trying to spike the ball on those two guys. I can imagine that 7-6 Taco Fall is a pretty good volleyball player. He is a force on at the net. Um, speaking of the food, have you seen the pictures of the food? Yeah, it's like week old lunchable meat yes it's like it's like middle school cafeteria or airplane food at best it it looks tough just yeah. comparing what lebron shows on this instagram on taco tuesdays to what they're currently eating in the bubble 
has me absolutely dying. It is the funniest thing ever. Yeah, it, it looks horrible. Um, <laughs> I've, I've seen a couple pictures from, from uh, I think J.R. Smith posted one and he got reprimanded for it. Um, and then I think, was it Rajon Rondo that posted a picture of his hotel room? Um, it was like, this sucks or whatever. And it, the picture just looked like a really nice room, just kind of shaming us uh, poor normal folks. Yeah, seriously. Us mere peasants. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see the interview the other day? It was not a famous reporter, so it didn't get on anything big on TV. But the uh, lady who was interviewing Spencer Dinwiddie? No. Okay, so she goes on there, and I guess they have an interview. I didn't really see anything before this. But the end of the interview, she just asks him if he had any message for the other NBA players. And I'm assuming she was guessing that he was going to give some sort of encouraging message of like, guys, we can do this. Like, at least we're getting money out of this something. And his advice to everyone else was, don't call the snitch hotline. (laughs) 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 He just told everybody to not be snitching on each other. Uh, I heard Dwight Howard got snitched on the other day. Speaking of which, did you hear the Dwight Howard story? No. So apparently, um, NBA was trying to be kind and help out with some entertainment. And so I guess they've got a few pools around in the bubble. And they hired a few DJs to come spin at the pools and provide some entertainment. And I guess Dwight Howard was the only person who showed up at <laughs> all, all 22 NBA teams. Um, there's also been a few girls tweeting that they've been getting invited into the bubble. And then also, as you've probably heard, some guys sneaking out to get food. I'm unfortunately, because of all the news coming out of the bubble, a little bit pessimistic on whether or not the season's going to end or actually, yeah, finish. But we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like they're being pretty uh, strict on who you're able to get in and out of the bubble, though, because, you know, NBA players are kind of t- notorious for importing women while they're on the road, but I don't think they're going to be able to do that. Uh, as you just mentioned, I saw, I know, you know, I go pretty deep down the rabbit hole on Twitter. Um, it was some girl that calls herself Ugly Anna said, I've already gotten invited to the bubble. This season is not happening. <laughs> yeah. um, and then people obviously started digging in on that. The only NBA player who followed her was Nick Young. Oh. So, of course, day one, Swaggy P is getting after it. Yeah, Swaggy P, I mean, and then like Dion Waiters and J.R. Smith, they just make me nervous. I'd, I'm hoping nothing happens. This is this is the time when I wish, this is sad, but I wish Kobe Bryant was still in the NBA because if someone on his team got caught slash gave someone else on his team or him COVID, he would absolutely lose his mind. We need people like Kobe whipping people into shape right now. Yeah, he, he kind of reminds me of, what was that uh, that Richard Sherman story kind of being the enforcer? Um, he called his neighbor, like, stop being an asshole, adapt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is. If you guys haven't ever read the story of Richard Sherman in his dorm in Valentine's Day at Stanford, just Google that and read through it. It's absolutely classic. Let's take a little turn right now. Um, Let's move on to NFL news. The NFL just recently announced the other day that they are going to open training camps on time, which is on July 28th. They're going to have some facility access restricted in certain ways. They're trying to put into place some traveling and testing protocols. But either way, this is big news for the NFL. Yeah, we got rookies reporting to camp July 21st. All other players reporting by July 28th. Uh, it's big news. I mean, you, you've got you know some high-profile players, J.J. Watt, Drew Brees, kind of throwing uh, water on the flames a little bit, saying we're not even close to uh, ready in terms of testing protocols, safety precautions, and all that. Um, NFL uh, Players Association president and Brown Center J.C. Treader has you know 
kind of taken a stand on this too because it's his responsibility obviously to make sure the players are safe so it sounds like they've got a long way to go but you know as of now whether or not you know they play a couple preseason games the regular season starting september 10th chiefs yep. at texans we'll see if it happens yeah i thought it was interesting that the decision to open training camps was made after a conversation between the league and several of the team physicians and the team physicians i guess unanimously um, multiple of them decided that it was safe to open training camps so um don't know what they based that off of but like you said i'll take it how are you feeling about like optimism or pessimism as far as whether the season's going to happen I feel a lot better about uh, the NFL happening than college football. Yeah. <laughs> college football has already, you know, come out and canceled a couple, uh, you know, out of conference games. But the NFL, they've uh, they've been pretty steadfast from the beginning in terms of not, you know, delaying free agency, not delaying the draft, uh, not delaying training camp. They're pretty much acting like we're living in a, a normal world right now. So um, I kind of trust them to figure it out and get it done. Uh, other than the fact that all the players are speaking out saying, "How the hell are we going to do this?" <laughs> yeah. uh, but but I don't know, man. We'll we'll see. I think it's interesting that unlike other sports, the NFL hasn't even ruled out the possibility of fans yet. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, um, I think that there are like different mandates depending on location. But mm-hmm. I, I think a couple of teams have said it. Like, I mean, we plan on having twenty-five to forty yep. percent capacity. Um, I don't know about you. I'd go to an NFL game. Um, I might, yeah. you know, wear my Rey Mysterio mask in the stadium <laughs> and maybe go full hazmat suit. But I'd love to be in the in the crowd. I'm with you there. I, I would be all about that. Yeah, I read that they're going to leave it up to team by team, depending on you know. Every city in America right now has a different situation. We're in Atlanta, Georgia. We got a lot of cases right now, so I can imagine that if the season were to start today, Falcons probably wouldn't be too keen on having a bunch of fans there. But some teams in other cities might. Um, I did read that every stadium is required to have the first eight rows blocked off to socially distance from the field. But other than that, we'll see. Um, one thing that I was kind of interested in is just the financial implications of it. That's one of the big things that they just haven't agreed to yet, as far as revenue splitting between the players and the league and owners, as well as just roster implications. I would assume they would probably do something similar to what Major League Baseball has done, where they've kind of expanded the rosters, at least expanding the practice squad so that when positive tests inevitably do come up, that you guys got some guys just ready to step in. Yeah. And and it's inevitable that, you know, some people are going to come down with the virus and they're going to have to figure out how to adapt. Yeah. Uh, one of the major unknowns that, um, J.J. Watt had kind of posed the other night on Twitter was what happens if, you know, these position groups spend time together all the time Mm -hmm. in a room. So one offensive lineman for the Browns, you know, gets Rona. Then the whole offensive line for the Browns has it. Mm-hmm. What do you do then? Yeah, you, you can't just replace an entire offensive line. You're not going to go put, you know, Baker Mayfield out there against NFL defensive lines with a full practice squad yeah. or line. It's just dangerous at that point. Yeah. So they're just going to have to figure out how to prevent that from happening. And position groups might just not be able to kind of practice and study film the way that they're used to. They might have yeah. to be spread out in some kind of other room and. It's, it's going to be weird, dude. Yeah, there's going to be some adapting that needs to happen. Um, I feel like we need to mention what's been going on with the football team in Washington, D.C. recently that is currently nameless. Um, obviously, the name situation was already a big deal, but then we've got this Dan Snyder and Jay Gruden news come out recently. What you got on that? Yeah, so if, uh, if you haven't heard this news, 15 women have come forward alleging sexual assault and, you know, a toxic work environment for, uh, or under the franchise formerly known as the Redskins. Um, my opinion on this is that 
the timing of all of it from Dan Snyder's perspective is not a coincidence at no. all. Um, of course, everything that's been going on in terms of uh, racial injustice and all that has kind of sparked the uh, name change conversations again. Um, they also had Nike pull the Washington Redskins gear from their website. Uh, FedEx, who sponsors their naming rights, FedEx Field in Washington, yep. um, asked them to change the name. Yeah. So obviously, when you know you hit a franchise owner in the pocketbook, that gets their attention. But my opinion is Dan Snyder knew this sexual assault kind of scandal was coming out. Um, so he's trying to sandwich that news in between the fact that they are going to change the name and then the news that will come of what the name change actually is. Mm-hmm. It's like, look at this shiny object, sexual assault. <laughs> all right, here's this new name. Yes. It, well, now we're the Red Wolves, yeah. just thinking it's all going to pass. Yeah, except we're not that stupid. Um, it's not a good look for Dan Snyder. It's not a good look for the league in general, but it's definitely not a good look for Dan Snyder. He's been kind of in the uh, in the target for a lot of people for a while because this name change conversation has happened multiple times. I'm happy that it's finally taking place, um, but the organization as a whole is kind of in a uh, downward spiral right, right now and not really sure how that's going to end up. Yeah, well, R.I.P. the Redskins. Dan Snyder might be on his way out too. Yep. Um, we might have a you know a Donald Sterling Clippers situation from a few years ago where the league just kind of forces him out. It's like, dude, you're kind of a dickhead. We've had enough <laughs> yeah, of you. Yeah, Sell right, the team. Rightfully so. Go uh, they, they've got I think three minority owners who own a total of forty percent of the franchise that all want out too. So mm. it's it's a dumpster fire there. Um, you know, there there might be a transition soon, but I don't know because. I don't want it to happen as a Cowboys fan. <laughs> for uh, for anyone who doesn't know, we're we're big Dallas Cowboys fans, and I want the Redskins to stay down. Yeah, if we do. Uh, if they if they change ownership, change the name, they might become a little bit too likable. I'm not sure if I want that. Before you turn off this podcast, just know that we are not obnoxious Dallas Cowboys fans. We are we're pretty self-deprecating about all of our teams because all of our teams are like regular season stars who choke in every big game. And so we've never won anything in our entire lives. The Cowboys won their last Super Bowl when we were five and three years old. Yeah. I mean, you might remember it. I don't. Yeah. Actually my first, I think I've thought about this before. I think my first memory in life, the first thing I can ever remember is the Cowboys beating the Steelers in Super Bowl 30 and Larry Brown picking it off, picking off Neil O'Donnell on the sideline. Um, but that's the last time I was happy as a Cowboys fan. Other than that, it's just regular season. Even when you go 12 and four, you just expect to collapse in the playoffs. So that's kind of our lives in sports right now. Yeah, that's all our teams, you know, Georgia Bulldogs, Atlanta Braves. Uh, we just, you know, have, we're tortured sports fans. We, we have we have Stockholm syndrome of the sports variety. Yes, we are huge sports fans, but we are perennially tortured in some form or fashion. Should we have gone with Stockholm sports? Oh, maybe we should have changed the name, which is not too late. Yeah, (laughs) there may come a day. (laughs) All right, let's take a quick switch over to college football. There's not a ton to talk about right now other than whether or not we think the season's going to happen. What are your current thoughts and everything? College football, um, the news that they're going to uh, conference-only games is kind of devastating. You know, you miss out on uh, games like Ohio State at Oregon, you know, cool games out of conference that you never see. Mm-hmm. Um, so you miss out on a lot of that. Um, some of these smaller programs who travel to play the big guys, that's how they fund their season. Exactly. You know, the cupcake games, they get paid a million dollars to go play at Georgia, at Alabama. 
whoever it is. So it's just kind of going to be a domino effect. Um, and we'll see, you know, which conferences decide to play, if any. Um, the SEC, you know, has yet to say anything. I hope that they're a full go. If I had to make a prediction as to what's going to happen, I think that um, pretty much all conferences are going to go to conference only. Mm-hmm. Um maybe some reasonable, you know, close proximity out of conference games, such as Georgia, Georgia Tech. Um, But yeah, my prediction is they start late, they play an eight game regular season, uh, and then they figure out how to do an eight team playoff. Just a lot of eights involved overall. (laughs) Yeah, this, all these sports that have larger teams are just not as conducive to handle this right now. That's why I think NFL is going to be difficult. College football is going to be difficult. I mean, even NBA with, they got, you know, 15 guys in the active roster. That's still not easy. You got 15 guys and, and five coaches. That's tough to keep everybody healthy and safe. Um, so I'm not sure it's going to happen either. There's definitely already been kind of a snowball effect with the cancellations and moving to conference only schedules. Big 10 went first, canceled all their out of conference games. And so when the PAC 12 loses their Ohio state versus Oregon, they're like, well, that's our biggest game. Who cares anymore? We might as well cancel. And it just kind of goes from there. Right. Um, as you know, SEC will be the last to do it because they, they are going to hold out at all costs. Um, to your point from a minute ago, unfortunately, it's not even just the little guy who's kind of losing out on this. I don't know if you saw in the news last week, Stanford, who is one of the best all-around college sports programs in the country. I mean, they win the Director's Cup all the time for the best overall sports programs. Already had to get rid of 11 of their teams um, in multiple sports, men's and women's, just because they don't have enough money to fund it. Yeah, I mean, football funds sports for, you know, most programs. You know, these other sports, even though you you think of them as being big, basketball, baseball, not all of them are self-sufficient. You know, Mm -hmm. we need college football to work (laughs) for for a lot of reasons. Absolutely. As as Georgia grads, I think we can both say that Georgia basketball would probably not survive if not for Georgia football. You can study at the Georgia basketball games. It's like a library in there. Nobody cares. Yeah, that's that's not a thing. But yeah, I I really hope that uh, Georgia football is able to happen. Um, we, we were supposed to be pretty good this year. We got Wake Forest uh, transfer Jamie Newman at quarterback who may not end up ever playing a down for Georgia, but yeah. I'm still down to just go ahead and build him a statue outside of Sanford. I am a huge Jamie Newman fan. I don't care if he ever plays. That's my guy. All about some Jamie Newman. He just looks cool. Yeah. How... That guy is the coolest looking quarterback of all time. Yeah. He's like 6'4", 235. He's jacked. He's fast. He wears a visor, I think. Like, yeah, I'm all about that. Especially after, you know, making maybe the wrong decision on picking Jake Fromm over Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Getting that getting that dual threat quarterback back there makes me feel some comfort. Yeah, not to mention the fact that it'll be the first time since either of us became Georgia fans, which I started going to UGA in 2007. Preston started going to UGA in 2009. It'll be the first time we've ever had a quarterback who could run even a little bit. We have a bunch of guys who run like six flat 40s in the last 15 years at quarterback. It's been it's been ugly. So we're both pretty excited about Jamie Newman. Hopefully we get to see him play. Now, one last thing I wanted to touch on. If you are not already a fan of the UFC, now is the time to hop on board because of all sports, it is the one sport that you can count on to keep on going during all this. It's just with, you know, one fighter and, you know, three guys on the team that need to travel together and be with them during the fights. UFC is going to keep on pumping out fights for the foreseeable future. So um, if you haven't already tuned in, please tune in this upcoming Saturday, which is July 26th. We've got Darren Till versus Robert Whitaker, which are two top contenders in the 185 weight class. That's going to be a great free fight on ESPN. 
And just in the next couple of months, we've got a couple of huge fights. We've got Stipe Miocic against Daniel Cormier for the third and final part of their trilogy. That will be, as everyone expects, Daniel Cormier's last fight in a long and great career. And then the UFC just announced yesterday that they're adding Paulo Costa and Israel Adesanya to the card on September 19th, which is the same card as Khabib and Justin Gaethje. That's going to be incredible. We've got a couple of divisions that are absolutely loaded right now. So if you haven't already watched UFC, start hopping on there. And even if you are not a huge UFC fan, I still, you know, really enjoy turning into the pay-per-views, um, taking some lines, losing some money. So that's always fun too. It's a great sport to lose money on. It's it's pretty much a crapshoot. So it's significantly more fun like every other sport when you when you got a little thing on the line. Yeah, I think my bookie does a, a happy dance every time I send in a UFC <laughs> bet. I'm pretty sure I'm maybe like one and fifteen, but it whatever, dude. It's fun. <laughs> it is fun. That brings up something that I wanted to mention. We want to talk about whatever y'all want to hear. So if you have any questions you want to send in or you have any comments or suggestions, just email us at sysmailbag at gmail.com. That's sysmailbag at gmail.com. And with that being said, let's take a turn into the bulk of our podcast today, and that is an MLB preview. You ready for MLB season? Let's go. I am very ready for MLB season. Uh, the The main thing that I'm most disappointed about, though, is that we don't get to see people boo the Astros. Oh my gosh, I was so excited. I was I was ready and willing to take multiple road trips this year to anywhere that was in driving distance of Atlanta just to boo the Astros. I wanted the Astros to be booed mercilessly in every city in America, and I wanted a bean fest. I just wanted brawls and and fights and people getting pegged. I mean, they deserve it, and I wanted it to happen. Yeah, especially when they play like at LA against the Dodgers, who they you know notoriously cheated against in the uh, 2017 World Series. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I feel like baseball is the sport least affected by crowd noise um, and just you know fans being there. Uh, people that go to regular season Major League Baseball games are either there to get drunk or be on an awkward first date. They don't watch the game. You know, it's not like the players feeding off of the crowd no. of an NFL game or, you know, an NBA game. Um, but it's still a little bit different as far as have you seen any of these like little preseason scrimmage games? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like it's it's awkwardly quiet. I mean, some other sports are fine. Like I know when I've been watching Premier League soccer, like they still pump in crowd noise into the TV broadcast. Or UFC is fine because you got your coaches yelling from the from outside the octagon. Baseball is a little weird with how quiet it is. I'm gonna have to get used to it. Yeah, I mean, I do think they are going to pump in crowd noise, right? And I, I hope so. I saw someone the other day ask if people were going to pump in uh, booze for the Astros, oh, which please is pretty do. funny. Please do. It's it's not out of the realm of possibility. No. Hopefully we, we can save all this pent-up energy from being quarantined for the last few months. And whenever we are allowed to go back to baseball stadiums, we can just bring out all that energy on the Astros. Yeah, I hope the uh, I hope the energy doesn't die, though. You know, a, a, a with season you. with... Um, you know, no fans that it might just kind of fade out. I'm with you. Let's talk about format a little bit. So if you guys haven't heard already, let's quickly go over what the MLB format's going to be this year. So we've got the Eastern division teams, central division teams, and Western division teams only playing each other. So the NL East is playing 40 games against their own division. So for example, the Braves will play 10 apiece against the Phillies, Marlins, Mets, and Nationals. And then they'll play it's weird though. Have you seen how they're how they're divided against the other league? No. So you would think they got twenty games against the AL East, but it's not even. So it's not just four piece. We've got six against the Red Sox, and I think only three against like the Yankees and three against the Orioles. It's not even. But either way, East teams playing East and and so on. 
Um, so that's going to be kind of interesting. And then also it's just been kind of weird with a, an awkward buildup to the season as far as players reported to training camps or spring training, I should say. They got sent home. They came back. And now they're not having a buildup like normal. They're playing a couple of inter-squad or little scrimmage games, but they're not getting nearly the number of reps that they normally would in a season. So I'm interested to see whether that affects things. Yeah, it, it's going to be weird to see, you know, how guys ramp up. Some guys are going to take longer than normal. You wonder if some of these veterans, some of these older players are a little bit at a disadvantage. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited to see them get things going. Yeah, one thing that I thought was interesting, I've got a couple of friends that I hang out with that are current minor league baseball players, and they were saying that they expect um, hitting to lag a little bit behind at the beginning of the season. The pitchers kind of do their thing anyways. They're not going to be stretched out like normal, so they're probably not going to be going deep into games, but hitters need a lot of reps to get their timing down, and they're just not going to have that in this preseason. So they're kind of expecting at the beginning of the year for pitching to dominate, for there to be a lot of low-scoring games. Are you telling me to bet on all the unders? I'm telling you to bet on unders, although... As always, I'm assuming that Vegas knows anything yeah. anyone else knows, so that makes it a little bit more difficult. Right. Um, I want to touch quickly on a couple of off-season transactions that happened that we might have forgotten about because they happened so long ago. We got Garrett Cole now on the Yankees for 324 mil. Mookie Betts and David Price are now on the Dodgers, even though David Price has opted out of this season. Anthony Rendon to the Angels. Zach Wheeler to the Phillies. Josh Donaldson to the Twins. Corey Kluber to the Rangers, Hunjin Ryu to the Blue Jays, and Madison Bumgarner to the D-backs. A lot of new faces in new places. Um, you got any teams or players that you're really excited to, to watch this year? I'm excited to watch the Dodgers. You just mentioned Mookie Betts, top five player in baseball, joining another top five, top ten player in baseball, and uh, Cody Love, Cody Bellinger. Um, that's going to be really interesting to watch. The The Dodgers lineup is a problem. Uh, they've got Clayton Kershaw and Walker Buehler, a good one-two punch in the rotation. Uh, I'm excited to watch those guys, especially because, you know, as we mentioned earlier, uh, you know, the whole news about the Astros having cheated against them in the 2017 World Series. They lost two World Series back-to-back. They need to get over the hump, um, you know, get that win. So I'm, I'm excited to see how they come out with Mookie. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because they're both super motivated but also just choke stars. I feel like it's in their heads now. I don't know. I'm a big Clayton Kershaw guy, but it's you can't deny that he has struggled every time in the playoffs. Yeah, he has. And unfortunately for him, there's only, uh, you know, one instance where it's proven that they knew what pitch was coming because <laughs> yeah, he, he gives up a lot of bombs in the playoffs. He does. Um, so we'll, we'll see uh, how he comes out. I've got a few teams that are might seem random, but I am jacked up to watch this year. Number one, which actually I think is kind of a trendy pick is the Reds. Have you seen what the Reds did this offseason? They got Mike Moustakis, Nick Castellanos. They already had Joey Votto, who even though his power is kind of down, he's still an on-base machine. Eugenio Suarez at 49 bombs last year. They got Trevor Bauer and Luis Castillo as a one-two punch at the top of the rotation. Jesse Winker's a solid player. They had Aristides Aquino come up last year and hit like 16 home runs in a third of a season. I'm really excited to see what the Reds do this year. I think that's a really fun team to watch and a really young and talented team. Yeah, they've, they've got a lot of young talent. Uh, I'm trying to think back to the World Series odds that I was looking at. Are, I mean, are they even expected to make the playoffs or are they just going to be kind of a fun team? So I was kind of bummed because when we were looking at futures bets for the season, I was like, I want to see what the Reds are at because I figured they'd be pretty low on the list. They're way higher than I expected. I think they had like the eighth highest odds to win the World Series. 
Interesting. Yeah, I thought they would have been further down in the list, but like we said, Vegas knows. Um, yeah. Other team that I think both of us are excited to watch this year is the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, they, they were the other uh, big spenders of the offseason. They added uh, Edwin Encarnacion at first base, uh, Yasmani Grandal at catcher, and Nomar Mazzara to their outfield. And they've already got, I mean, a ton of young talent. Uh, everyone knows Luis uh, Ro- Robert. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crushed it. Yeah, however you say that guy's name. Uh, people are starting to call him the next Mike Trout, which is pretty high praise. Yeah. Um, so he's going to be a stud. Uh, Elo- Eloy Jimenez. Uh, another, you know, one of the best young talents in the game, Tim Anderson, Yuan Moncada. They're pretty stacked. Yeah, you got Tim Anderson, you know, hitting bombs and then chucking his bat to the moon. You got Yuan Mon- Moncada, who's a freak athlete. Have you seen Luis Robert yet? Like, seen a picture of him? No. The guy's a specimen. He's a beast. Um, just a heads up on that guy. Last year, in only 122 games in the minors, he had 32 home runs and 36 stolen bases. So, um, he's a freak. Had over a thousand OPS too, so he's going to be fun to watch. Um, there have been people that are predicting that he's going to be kind of the talk of baseball this year as a as a young talent, but I think they're fun because they're a pretty um, equal combination of young studs and good veterans. You didn't even mention Jose Abreu a minute ago, who's coming back. So they got those three vets that they added, plus Jose Abreu coming back and a lot of just young stars. Lucas Giolito finally took the leap last year. People would have been expecting that for a while. He had a great year last year. Um, I think they're going to be a really fun team. Who else is in the rotation? I'm trying to think. They've got Dylan Cease. Uh, shout out Alpharetta, Georgia. Alpharetta, Georgia. Let's go. I think they had a Gio Gonzalez. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a pretty good team. It's going to be interesting this year because I think starting pitching is going to be slightly less important in the regular season, especially at the beginning, just because, like I said a minute ago, these guys aren't as stretched out. They're not going to be going seven, eight innings in a game. It's going to be a heavily bullpen-reliant form of baseball early on in the year. And I think these teams throughout the season who have better bullpens are going to jump ahead of these teams with poor starting rotations. I think that changes in the playoffs because when you get guys coming out there like Max Scherzer that just dominate the first eight innings of a game, that's why those teams win the World Series. But regular season, in this short of a season, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And just to recap on the White Sox, you, you look up and down their lineup, and I think they've got eight guys who, across the course of a normal 162-game season, could hit 30 bombs. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be hitting it out of the ballpark. They're, they're going to be a fun team to watch. Uh, so we mentioned the Reds and the White Sox. Who's your third fun team to watch my, this year? My third team, and it's not, it's not like the other two. My third team that I'm excited to watch is not because of personnel. It's the Rays. And it's just because I think they're geniuses. I think they're mad scientists. Like, you know how the the New England Patriots and the San Antonio Spurs have kind of just developed this reputation over the last 20 years so that everything they do, you're like, they're geniuses. Like, even if I think it's dumb, I'm sure that it's good because they're smarter than I am. I think that's how the Rays are. The only difference is that- They haven't won anything. They haven't won anything, but like, okay, when you look at, they have the disadvantage of a salary cap. Right. Yeah. It's different because they have one thing. <laughs> yeah. But but when they're in the division of the Yankees and Red Sox who are outspending them by hundreds of millions of dollars and they still make the playoffs over the Red Sox last year with zero budget. There was one year either last year or the year before they had the lowest salary in baseball and they're still a good team. Um, I just think that 
They're smarter than everybody else. They they do crazy things. They're the ones who came up with the opener in the last couple of years. Um, I just think it's going to be really interesting to see what they come up with as far as how to handle the shortened season with all the roster turnover, turnover that's expected. I just think they're going to pull out something crazy and be fun to watch. I'm interested to see what that front office and management does. Yeah, and, and they're kind of well-equipped to you know use those openers. They've got uh, Ryan Yarbrough. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's the other guy? Glasnow. Yanni? Yanni Chirinos? Yeah, and then they've got Glasnow and Charlie Morton. I mean, they got they got a, a bunch of studs. Yeah, yeah, they're they're deep in the rotation in the bullpen, so mm-hmm. it'll it'll be fun, like you said, to kind of see what else uh, they come up with. I probably should mention Blake Snell since he won the Cy Young, but yeah, yeah, he's not bad. <laughs> yeah, well, he was the guy, you know, early in the off season saying he didn't want to play. Uh, yeah, he, he he didn't want to come out if uh, it was going to be anything less than their prorated hundred percent salary. So yeah, didn't work out. Nope. But yeah, I think it's going to be maybe the most fun and unpredictable season just because of the 60 game thing. Like baseball of all sports is just such a large sample size sport. Like Preston and I have played the last 10 years, we've played fantasy baseball. And so we learn up close and personal that there are guys who it doesn't matter what kind of streaks they go on at the beginning or the middle of the season. After 162 games, they're going to be where they always are. Like guys just kind of have a way of finding what they do and they they end up at the same numbers every season. Uh, in 60 games, it's not going to happen. You know, if a team or a player goes on a hot streak for three weeks, that's a game changer. Like that could change anything. I thought it was interesting. Like odds wise, if you look at World Series odds for the worst teams, they're significantly better than they ever have been before because anybody can can go on a streak in a 60 game season yeah when you're playing a third of a season it's just increased volatility through the roof anything can happen you look at say someone like mike trout what's his best 60 game stretch of his career like some guys are going to put up insane numbers this Mm -hmm. year like you're going to look back at the 2020 season and there might be a cy young winner uh who posted an era of Mm 1.1 somebody's going to hit 400 this year you think so multiple guys yeah you think so yeah i'm i'm gonna go against you on that you want to bet on that one uh yeah 20 bucks deal 20 bucks on nobody hits 400 you got someone does yep okay i'd say no one hits over 370 double or nothing yep 40 all right let's go there you go all right (laughs) so now let's dive into a few predictions for the season let's kind of go league by league and one award at a time who do you have for your national league mvp this year so I'm going with one of the favorites. I know it's kind of boring, but I'm going with my guy, Christian Yelich. Yep. Uh, in a 60-game season, you need somebody who comes out hot, uh, who's not going to have to make up for a slow start, and he is historically a quick starter. Uh, last year, through the first five weeks of the season, at the end of April, he had a 353 batting average with 14 home runs and 34 RBIs. Wow. That'll work. Extrapolate that over you know a 60-game season, that's pretty freaking good. Um, he's coming off an injury but i think that the delay is going to help him so he should be 100 percent for opening day so that's my guy this year who you got well i just want to touch on that he's such a stud he's one of those guys that i mean there's a few of these in every sport where he makes being dominant look so easy he's just so smooth he has a beautiful swing he's fun to watch i never a few years ago when he was on the marlins and he was kind of coming up everyone 
thought he was going to be good. I remember like right away, people were predicting that one day he would win a batting title. I just didn't anticipate him developing the power that he has. And I mean, if you look at him, he's not the kind of guy that looks like he would just be jacking bombs, but he does. That guy is a stud. Yeah, he's he's kind of a tall, lanky dude. Uh, you wouldn't expect him to be the type that's hitting, you know, forty-five home runs. No. But these days, I feel like it's all about you know the exit velocity, launch angle. It, mm. It's more technical than just being a dude who looks like Hercules. Yeah. Uh, and we can't mention Christian Yelich and the Marlins without mentioning the fact that their outfield was once John Carlos Stanton, Christian Yelich, and Marcelo Zuna. Unbelievable. And they had Jose Fernandez. They had D. Gordon, who was a decent player at the time. Like that was such a promising young organization that got completely blown up. It's kind of sad. It is a little sad, and especially in a non-salary cap sport, you just like can't really afford mm-hmm. to pay more than one guy and then trade him a couple years later. Yeah, I mean, well, well, even worse than that, it's that they didn't get anything out of it. It's right. not it's not that they lost those three guys. It's that they didn't get anything in return. They they ended up losing them either in free agency or in trades where they just didn't get a whole lot of good return, which which sucks for them. Uh, my pick is a homer pick, unfortunately. I promise in the future I'm not going to be a huge homer, but I'm going Ronald Acuna Jr. He's still only 22 year old, years old, which is crazy. We talked about Luis Robert earlier, and he's only 22 years old. I think it's crazy that guys like Acuna and Juan Soto are that age, but have already been killing it in the league for a couple of years. Um, last year, he missed out on a 40-40 season following three stolen bases short. Um, we have a segment that I'm going to do right now called Surprise Trivia. Um, the rules for this segment, do you already know the answer to this? No, but okay. I'm panicking. Okay. The rules for this Surprise Trivia segment are, once I finish asking the question, Preston has five seconds to answer. Five? Five seconds to answer, and he cannot say, I don't know. Okay. You ready? No. <laughs> Who is the last player to go 40-40 in a season? Alfonso Soriano. Boom. Seriously? Yep, 2006. Alfonso, Alfonso Soriano. Um, <laughs> we, we, I feel like we ask each other so much trivia that yeah. he's just ingrained in my mind as someone yep. sneaky to guess. Exactly. I, I think it's surprising there's only been four guys ever to do it in Major League history. The other three are all notorious steroid users. we got Alex Rodriguez in 98, Barry Bonds in 96, and Jose Canseco in 1988. And then Alfonso Soriano did it in 2006. I would have thought that there was someone much more recent than that. Yeah, it's just hard. Um, the Mike, last, Mike Trout hasn't done that? Mike Trout hasn't done it. He had, um, I'm trying to, th- trying to think, his rookie year, I think he stole 49 bases maybe and had high 30s home runs, so he was close. And then the other guy um, who came really close in the in the recent past is Matt Kemp in 2011. I think he had 39 home runs and 40 steals. The rude boy. I think I had him on my fantasy team that year. He was the man. I think I had him on my fantasy team that year. Well, you're an idiot. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ronald Acuna, I'm going with him. Uh, the crazy thing about him is I think he still has some room to grow. He struck out a ton last year and really didn't walk that much, even even as a leadoff guy. So he can get better um, just in on-base percentage. Um, I assume just like kind of all other star players in Major League Baseball these days that as time goes on, he'll stop stealing quite as much, but he's still going to be super valuable. I also think that with Freddie Freeman potentially missing some time at the beginning of the season as he recovers from COVID, that with Ronald Acuna as clearly the best player on a team that should be in playoff contention, I think he's in a good spot to make a run at the MVP. Yeah, so we we both did take uh, I guess their co favorites there, um, but it's pretty spread out. Uh, there, you know, for MVP, there's not ever going to be a heavy favorite. If you're a betting person, uh, both Christian Yelich and Ronald Acuna, it looks like they are plus seven hundred this year. So, okay. 
Yeah, not a, not a bad bet. Not bad. Um, we talked about this beforehand, but our our AL MVP picks are a little bit more obscure than our NL. Who you got for AL MVP? So I've got Matt Olson for AL MVP, power hitting first baseman for the Oakland A's. Uh, he's he's kind of a streaky player, but that's why I think you know if he comes out hot, he could start you know building a good case. Um, last year he hit. Uh, 36 home runs with 91 ribs, uh, 351 OB, OBP, and won uh, the Gold Glove Award. So having some sneaky defensive value in there, uh, I feel like could definitely help. I just got really confused for a second because my AL MVP pick is Matt Chapman, uh, also of the Oakland Athletics, who somehow also had 36 home runs and 91 RBIs last year. Same exact stats. Um the cool thing to me about Matt Chapman, first of all, I have a man crush on him. I wanted him really bad in fantasy last year. Couldn't quite get him. But he, in a league right now that is actually really solid defensively at third base, is far and away the best third baseman and actually maybe the best fielder in all of baseball. Last year, he led the Major League Baseball in defensive war. Um, guy's an absolute stud, kind of a leader in the clubhouse over there. That team should be good, although the Astros are the favorite to win the division. The A's are going to be in playoff contention. So I guess we're going with the Oakland Mats. We are huge Oakland Mat guys uh, here on this podcast. So, you know, remember that for future reference. That'll be really important. But of the Oakland Mats that had exactly 36 home runs and 91 RBIs last year, Olsen is clearly the superior Matt. Okay. I just came up with an idea. I feel like whenever we have these little disagreements, we need to have a board of bets. Okay, so we already got the bet earlier on batting averages for the season. Okay. We need to make a bet on the Oakland Mats right now. So I'm going to go with Matt Chapman having more home runs than Matt Olson this year. You got Matt Olson? Dude. Let's go. I, I feel like I should give you odds on that. I, I almost feel bad doing this. All right, you're a jerk. But we're going to put this on the board. We're going to have a running tally at the end of, I guess, baseball season. We'll have a different board for every sport. We'll go through these. See who wins. You're on. Matt All right. All let's day. do it. Another, what, what's that? Another 20? Another 20. All right. Let's go, Olsen. You're on. All right. Let's move on to the Cy Young Award. Starting in the NL, I'll go first this time. I have Walker Bueller as my NL Cy Young winner. Um, he had a great year last year. Age-wise, he should be you know right in the middle or entering his prime. The advanced metrics, the FIP and XFIP last year, show that he was actually a little bit better than he showed. He got slightly unlucky. unlucky. It's going to be on what's expected to be maybe the best team in the National League. I'm all in on Walker Buehler this year. Yeah, Walker Buehler's a stud. Uh, he he might, you know, not even be the best pitcher on his own team this year. Who knows if Clayton Kershaw could, you know, put together uh, another Cy Young season um, over the course of 60 games. Mm-hmm. What's that going to be, 14, 15 starts? I think the shortened season helps him. But, yeah, Walker Buehler, he's, you know, one of the best up-and-coming pitchers in the game. Uh, you know, sub-3 ERA last year. Uh, he, he should be certainly a contender. It's just one of those things this year with the shortened season – I mean, we've already been saying this, but just anything could happen. Like, it is so hard for one guy to distinguish himself above another guy in that short of a season, especially when you're only pitching once every five days. You know, these guys are not going to get a lot of starts. I saw one ESPN article um, predicting that there's going to be a 19-way tie for wins in the major leagues with six. It's just like, 
it's going to be so little separating this, separating these guys. So I feel like that's one of the reasons that being on a good team is going to help him is because, you know, if two guys have almost the exact same stats in a shortened season, what's going to put one at the head of the other? And that's going to be on a good team. Yeah. What did you read that was predicting a 19 way tie? What a hot take. (laughs) Super hot take there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Who you got? uh, I've got uh, Mad Max. I'm going with Max Scherzer to win his fourth Cy Young Award. Uh, He won back to back in 2016, 2017, coming off. Uh, the World Series win with the Washington Nationals. Um, he had some injuries last year. Uh, he dealt with you know some lingering neck and uh, back injuries. He actually missed his uh, Game 5 start in the World Series, which was a big deal. Uh, he turned 35 this year. But over the course of his career, he's, he's kind of been an Iron Man. Yes. And he's just... The guy's a full-blown psychopath. He, you know, unless his injury is terrible, he's going to play through it. Um, so I expect him to put up really good numbers, uh, you know, get the Nationals back into a top seed to defend their title. I am programmed to dislike Max Scherzer just because he's a division rival of the Braves. But I also love that guy. I just love guys who care as much as he does. You know, that guy's made hundreds of millions of dollars like he doesn't have to care anymore. Same thing like Tom Brady. Like people hate Tom Brady. I respect how much he cares and how competitive he is. Max Scherzer's a savage, and I'm all about it. Yeah, I, I like Max. I, I get where you're coming from in terms of being a division rival, but the guys who get paid and still care are awesome because mm-hmm. they're they're playing for the love of the game and $30 million, but the love of the game. Yeah, it's very easy not to care. Well, since we're talking about Cy Young, um, the Garrett Cole situation is interesting because I feel like we've seen guys in his spot in the past where you know, they're getting paid a ton of money. Like I said earlier, he just got paid $324 million moving to the biggest market in the sport. That's just a lot of pressure. Um, I'm not really sure what to expect from him this year. I mean, he's completely filthy, but that's a difficult spot to be in. And it's one of those things too, where he needs to get off to a good start because when you're getting paid that much for a team that is expected to win the World Series. If you get off to a bad start, the pressure starts to build and then it gets even harder to kind of get things back on track. So really interested to see what we get out of Garrett Cole this year. My pick for AL Cy Young is Charlie Morton. Wow. I'm a big Charlie Morton guy. Old guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm at kind of the point where Garrett Cole, like I just said, is going to be in a tough spot. Justin Verlander's got to fall off one of these years. Um, Charlie Morton with those uh, sneaky rays, it's going to be a beast. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting pick. I mean, he was really, really good at the end of last year. Um, I, you know, kind of kept waiting for him to regress towards the mean and have some bad starts, and he just didn't do it. No, he's filthy. Uh, he was an absolute stud, so I, I, I don't hate that pick. Um, my guy for this year, Shane Bieber. Let's go. I actually looked at him. My boy. Yeah. Uh, I am pro Bieber in more ways than one. <laughs> uh, but Bieber, he, he's had a, you know, interesting last two years his rookie year 2018 he posted a 4.55 era uh, that dropped to 3.28 last year in 2019 with 259 strikeouts and he actually finished fourth in Cy Young voting last year Dang. so I thought that it was a uh, more of maybe an unpopular pick but I didn't realize he finished in the fourth spot last year I mean he's a contender he's a guy who makes people miss uh, average 10.9 strikeouts per nine innings mm-hmm. last year the guy's got some filthy stuff uh, from what I've heard what I've read he's He's had a really good offseason, so I expect big things from him this year at the, the top of the Indians rotation. I like that. One thing that I want to throw in there is that I wouldn't be extremely surprised if we have a relief pitcher in contention for Cy Young this year, just because of a few of the things I was saying earlier. We're not going to have a ton of starters go a bunch of innings. I think we might have a have some relievers that go a bunch of innings. Um, so that could be someone like in the mold of Josh Hader, someone like that who comes in and throws two or three at a time a couple times a week. I mean, 
I wouldn't be surprised if they sneak into the conversation. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, and, you know, if someone can put up 20-plus saves in a season like this, that could definitely happen. Araldus Chapman might be in that conversation. Yeah. That, that's a good point. Yeah. So, with that being said, I've got another surprise trivia oh. for you. I know. I'm sorry. Well, I actually feel good about it now. Yeah. Now, now I'm kind of on my high horse, one yeah. for one. Yeah, baby. you are one for one. All right. Who is the last reliever to win the Cy Young Award? Oh, man. Five seconds, and I can't say... Well, I'm, I'm probably already past five seconds. Um, John Smoltz? Nope. Eric Gagne, 2003. Oh, wow. Let's go. I don't even remember. Do you remember when we saw him in person? We did. Was he an inter-Sandman guy? I don't remember if he was an inter-Sandman guy. I feel like he had a sick an- intro. It's Okay, I remember what happened was we were at Dodger Stadium. This was in the middle of this. Like This was 2003, like the year he won it um, on family vacation. And all I remember is that he started walking in from the bullpen and the lights and scoreboard flash game over. And it was just so sick. He's one of those guys, though, that like if everything worked together for him to be intimidating, except the way he looked like he was just so not intimidating looking, but everything else about him, just how much he dominated. That guy was awesome. He had 84 consecutive saves between 2002 and 2004. Yeah. 84 straight save appearances without blowing one is just insane. And then it comes out, of course, that he was, you know, juiced out of his mind, which, you know, makes a lot of sense. That guy was throwing absolute gas. He was just unhittable back then. And then one thing that I thought was funny when I was kind of looking up that stat is that before Eric Gagne, the last reliever to win the Cy Young was Dennis Eckersley in 1992. And believe it or not, he actually won the MVP as well that year. As a closer? As a relief pitcher, won the MVP in 1992. And I looked it up and his stats weren't even that absurd. He had 51 saves. I mean, he had a great year. But MVP as a reliever, he threw like 80 innings is insane. That would never happen these days. Am I in my mind developing a Dennis Eckersley conspiracy theory right now? Maybe. Did he know somebody on the inside? He must have known at least at least half of the voters on the inside. Interesting. I need to look into that. I'll, I'll, I'll put a couple of my best guys on that. There you go. 1992, Dennis Eckersley threw 80 innings, had 51 saves, had a 1.91 ERA and a .91 whip. I mean, he had a great year as a closer, but when you're throwing 80 innings and other guys are throwing 220, I don't care what you're doing. You're not, you're not the most valuable player. That's that's psychotic. No, I mean, with that ERA, I'm okay with uh, the Cy Young, but MVP is just kind of ridiculous. That's nuts. All right, let's move on. Let's go to National League Rookie of the Year. Who you got? I've got Gavin Lux. Uh, I feel like that's going to be a popular pick. He's just, he's, I think, the number one rated prospect in baseball right now. Uh, and not it, just his talent, but he's going to be, I think, the everyday second baseman for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And we mentioned, you know, that lineup's got Mookie Betts, Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner, uh, Max Muncie. Those guys can just absolutely rake. So he's going to have so many RBI opportunities. If he gets on base, you know, he's more likely to score than some of these other rookies just with who's hitting behind him. Um, the National League picks up the universal DH this year, which will help mm-hmm. if he's, you know, batting in the eighth spot to actually have a real hitter behind him. Um, he's just a stud. I, I, I've got him this year. Yeah, he's a stud. I got him too. And the reason is rookie of the year is going to be a little bit different this year because historically, I mean, there will be guys that get called up in May who still get enough opportunity as rookies to win rookie of the year. That's not the case this year. You've got to pick somebody who's going to be on the team from the beginning or else they're just not going to have enough time to win it. Um, And so Gavin Lux, like you said, is expected to be starting every day. From projected lineups I saw, I think there's actually a possibility that he hits towards the top of the lineup, potentially. Um, I saw someone projecting him in the two hole. And if that's the case, I mean, he's just going to get counting numbers like crazy because he's between... 
whoever's going to lead off. And Mookie Betts probably hitting three. Like, I don't know. Maybe Mookie hits a one. I don't know. But either way, Gavin Lux is in a good spot on the Dodgers. Yeah, he is. And that, I mean, if uh, if they think that makes sense and Dave Martinez puts them in the two-hole, try to get him some more at-bats and get him ramped up over the 60 games before they hit the playoffs, then that, that'll make sense for them as they, you know, try to uh, try to win the World Series and get over the hump. Yep. Who you got for AL, American League Rookie of the Year? We mentioned him earlier. I'm not sure how you pick anyone other than Luis. Robert. Thank you for that. There we go. Uh, I think he's got to be the guy. I mean, if people are calling him the next Mike Trout, you've got my attention. I can't pick anyone other than him. Um, he's going to be, I think, hitting pretty high up in the White Sox lineup. And as we mentioned earlier, they've got so many guys who are going to hit absolute shots. Uh, he was a 30-30 guy in the minors last year. He, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he was a 15-15 guy this year in the major leagues. Uh, he's a stud. He's my pick. Yeah, he's kind of hard to go against, but I did want to throw someone else out there. Jesus Lazardo. Yep. I don't know why. We're just all over the A's right now. I guess I probably should have included the A's in teams I'm excited to watch. Are the A's elite? <laughs> the A's might be elite. Uh, Jesus Lazardo is 22 years old. He's a lefty. He's got some pretty nasty stuff. He came up at the end of last year. I think he was one of their September call-ups. Made six appearances out of the bullpen. Struck out 16 guys in 12 innings. Had a 1-5 ERA. In 2018, he went all the way from high A through triple A in one year, had a two and a half ERA and 12 Ks per nine. I just think he's going to be in a good spot in the rotation this year. He's going to get some opportunity from the beginning. If Luis Robert somehow struggles, I think Jesus Lazardo has got a decent shot. Yeah, he's uh, he's one of the top prospects in baseball, too. I know he's dealt with an injury or two, but hopefully he can uh, get on track this year and our, our A's can pull it all together. <laughs> we'll see. All right, so aside from rookies who are going to make a jump, I did want to put out there a couple of players that I expect or hope are going to break out this year. I am all in on some Joey Gallo. I'm a big Joey Gallo guy. Oh, I love Gallo. I love Joey Gallo. Does he need to break out? I feel like he he kind of already did. So he kind of did. So a couple years ago, I guess it was 2017 and 2018, he was hitting bombs, but he hit like barely over 200 both of those years. He was, it was abysmal. And he struck strikes out, you know, a million times. Last year in a shortened season, so he only played, I think, like 70 games or so because he got hurt. He made the leap as far as getting his average to a respectable level. He went from, you know, 205, 206, something like that, to 253 last year. He had an on-base percentage of 389, which is fantastic. Guy can take a walk. And he is just one of those guys that is prone to hot streaks. He can go on a one-month rampage and win the MVP. Like, that guy has monster power like no other i mean he's one of those guys that i wouldn't be surprised in a 162 game season if he hit you know 50 or 60 bombs he's already hit 40 in the majors but he can hit more than that yeah and i'm, I'm kind of with you on him i mean he's a monster uh he's, he's been really good over the last couple of years in terms of being a power hitter hopefully he can kind of put it all together with you know patience at the plate and being an average hitter um but yeah we'll we'll see what he does this year and then i'm probably just gonna end up dying on the hill with byron buxton dude i love byron buxton but he just doesn't ever do it so he is someone who came to mind earlier when we were talking about fast starts and slow starts and he more than anybody i can think of is a notorious slow starter right he'll put it together and in like august and september and just tear it up but he's horrible for the first two months of the season so i am going to respectfully yet violently disagree with you on this one (laughs) yeah and he's already hurt again so (laughs) yeah just that's what he does he's got a he's got like a left foot sprain right now which is shouldn't be significant but you know 
missing a week in a 60 game season is you know a big deal yep so who knows all right let's move on to the grand finale of our predictions who do you have winning the world series this year i have got the ultimate redemption story i've got the dodgers okay over who the Astros. <laughs> Let's, Let's do it. I would be all about that. If the Astros made it to the World Series and lost, I don't care who wins. I just that would be amazing to me. Yes, it would be so much fun and it would just I feel like tensions would be so high with the Astros back in the World Series because people would so desperately want them to lose and if they won, people would just kind of freak out. So I just I think that the opportunity for the Dodgers to get back against the Astros, you know, Clayton Kershaw have good performance, you know, finally solidify his legacy as one of the best pitchers of all time. This is Hollywood. He, which he is. This is Hollywood. If we this doesn't happen, it. you should write this. I might. You should. I guess I kind of already have. <laughs> we need something to unify our country. I'm not sure there's anything that would unify us more than just all coming together and rooting against the Astros in the World Series. That sounds like a blast. Yeah, no, I'm, about that. I'm with it. And if you think about like the Dodgers, their white home jerseys, the letters are red, so they're red, white, and blue. Ooh. Like it would just be a very patriotic yeah. story of redemption. This is poetic. Yeah. I'm all, I'm all about it. Now I kind of feel bad asking you who your World yeah, Series I, pick I, is. It's probably not even cool. I wish that I had gone first now because there's no way I can follow that adequately. I'm boring. I'm going with the Yankees. It's, I know it's the easy pick. It's just when you look at this team, I can't remember a team going into a season that was just more all around complete than this team in a long time. I mean, that lineup is a joke. They are an absolute bomb squad. It's just a bunch of huge guys hitting bombs throughout the entire lineup. I mean, one thing that's kind of funny, which is the same thing with the Braves now that Nick Markakis has opted out, is they're very right-handed. You know, they have very little from the left side, so who knows if they run against a team that throws a bunch of lefties out there. Sorry, I should say, there's a bunch of righties out there. Um, What's going to go on? But they've got a a pretty nasty rotation. you got Garrett Cole at the top, Masahiro Tanaka, Jay Happ, James Paxton. That's a good one through four. Bullpen's really good. you got Chapman at the back end. Just all around, that's a great team. Yeah, they are really good, and there's no denying that. Um, I think that what is going to be a huge storyline for them this season is just their health. I mean, two of their best players, just absolute freaking hulking monsters, Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge, are perennially hurt. Um, you know that better than anyone oh else. Oh, my gosh. I need to talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> Let I, it all out. I, I picked the Yankees against my better judgment. Giancarlo Stanton is the bane of my fantasy baseball existence. I've been on his train since the beginning. I was a Giancarlo Stanton fan when that wasn't even his name. It's when he was Mike Stanton. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I had him on my fantasy team. I had him for a few years in a row, and he would be a good player. And then right before the fantasy playoffs started, he would die. He'd get hit in the face by a pitch or he'd do whatever. And so I was like, all right, I'm, I'm over this guy. I'm done with it. And so I didn't take him for two years. In those two years, he played 158 and 159 games and just dominated the league. So I was yeah. like, okay, I, he's gotten over the injury bug. He's back. And so I got him again. And then last year, you know, he could whatever, ruins his knee sliding into third base. He, he hit one home run for me in fantasy. He came back at the end of the year after the playoffs were over. He's 
he's on my dunzo list yeah he he belongs on your dunzo list i get that but i think the uh the season that you jumped off the bandwagon he flirted with 60 home runs yeah so you hate to see that but yeah if i'm if i'm thinking about the american league i i don't really love anyone other than the yankees and the astros so when i'm comparing them uh you look at the, the astros rotation they did lose garrett cole so that's a huge loss but they still got justin verlander who's going to be a cy young contender mm-hmm. uh he benefited from you know the the season being delayed as he dealt with a, a groin injury uh, so they got verlander strong number two and zach granke they'll have him for a full season so Having both of those guys, you know, each pitch two games in a potential seven game series against the Yankees, as you mentioned, both righties, you know, might yep. match up favorably against that lineup. So I'm taking the Astros in the AL, but, uh, you know, I get it. You can't go wrong with a stacked Yankees roster. Yeah, I'm going to be really interested to see how those Astros hitters kind of respond to the pressure that's on them. You know, unfortunately, before all this came out, I was a big fan of some of those guys. You know, Altuve, Altuve is one of your guys. You always liked him. I do love Altuve. I know you love Bregman. I was a big Bregman guy. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see kind of how they respond and what they look like when they're not having guys in the dugout banging on trash cans telling them what's coming. Yeah, exactly. And and we know that uh, they were stealing signs during the World Series, but who knows if they were stealing signs throughout the regular season at home too. Yeah. Um, so there, there's one thing about the added pressure of it, but what if they actually now will not know what pitches are coming? I mean, <laughs> yeah. that that is going to make a big impact yeah. if that's the case. It so doesn't help. May, maybe I'm taking a leap of faith by picking them to win the AL and get to the World Series, but I don't know. All right. Well, last but not least... What is your favorite MLB futures bet? So we just picked our World Series champions, but that doesn't include the odds. So with the odds included, what bet do you like the most for who will win the World Series? So if we're going by the odds, I have to take the defending champion Washington Nationals. They're sitting right there at plus 2,000. Uh, the same odds as the Cincinnati Reds, Chicago Cubs, New York Mets, and Tampa Bay Rays. I'm not fully sure I understand uh, those odds that they're getting there. You know, being the defending champions, uh, they didn't lose a whole lot. They had uh, Ryan Zimmerman, who's opting out of the season for health and family reasons. But they're returning my Cy Young pick, Max Scherzer, uh, uh World Series MVP Steven Strasburg. They got Patrick Corbin and the the three spot of the rotation. Um, pretty stacked lineup still with uh, Trey Turner at shortstop, Juan Soto, who before you know it might be the best player in baseball. So they just got a lot of talent. And as the defending champions, you know, I, I think that that's a pretty good uh, pretty good bet at plus two thousand. It is. Have you seen any recent news on Juan Soto or Victor Robles? I know a couple of days ago. I had seen that neither one of them were currently with the team. I wonder if that's negatively affecting their odds. Um, I think it was a travel issue or something. Maybe that's it. But at those odds, that's a pretty darn good pick. Yeah. Who you got? So I must be looking at a different side. What side are you looking at? Sportsbook. Okay. I was looking at Bovada. Um, Bovada, as of last night, I had the Cubs at 2,400 is my favorite pick, plus 2,400. That's the 13th best odds of any team, which I thought was a little bit lower than this should be considering that they still have a lot of their or basically all of their key pieces in place anthony rizzo javi Baez, chris bryan are all back ian happ is a talented guy who could become a good player i think kyle schwarber is kind of the ideal guy this season to step into that dh role for nl teams the guy is a complete disaster in left field but as a dh the guy can rake um still got some guys in the rotation even though they're questionable that are capable of producing you know you darvish john lester jose quintana kyle hendricks they all have you know the ability to to make moves and be good so um i kind of like the cubs at plus 2400 
Yeah, I get it. I mean, they they won the World Series, finally got the monkey off their back a few years ago. Um, I like their lineup. I I just don't quite like their rotation enough. Uh, John Lester, you Darvish, probably a little bit past their primes. And uh, I know that you had mentioned uh, the value of the bullpen in a shortened season. And outside of Craig Kimbrell, who's struggled a little bit, I mean, I don't love any of these guys. But I I like the pick. I like the value. We'll, uh, We'll see how they do. We will see how they do. All right, guys. Well... That's going to be a wrap on episode one of the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. If you have any questions, suggestions, you want us to talk about something specific, just email us at sysmailbag at gmail.com. Or you can choose to download the Anchor app and send us voice recorded messages and we will respond to your questions that way. Uh, Thank you again for joining us. If you made it through episode one, congratulations. You are part of the millions, if not billions of people who will look back and say, wow, look how far these guys have come. Yes, we we have very few fans right now. So if you send in any questions, we will definitely respond. (laughs) Appreciate you guys listening. Catch you later. Hope to see you soon.